You're listening to the weekly podcast from Solid Ground Church. We hope that this is uplifting and encourages you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. If we can be of any help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now let's get to this week's message. Well, hey, uh, if you have a Bible, do me a favor, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, where we're going to be this morning, 1 Corinthians 6. Uh, while you're turning there, I guess I should introduce myself. Uh, if we haven't met, I'm Bert, I'm one of the pastors here. Thanks for getting up, thanks for spending your Sunday with us, or if you're watching online, thanks for doing that. Uh, and you picked a good week for it. We're going through 1 Corinthians, and it's going to be all kinds of awkward and weird, and we'll, 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 we'll bear it together. It'll be neat. Um, so I thought just to set this up the right way, um, I'd let you into the plaster, the plasters, the pastor's playbook, uh, a, a little bit here. So in in uh, in school, um, in, in, in preacher school, uh, we learned about different kinds of sermons. We learned like like you know like golfers have different kinds of clubs in their bag, right? They can pull out like the driver to knock the ball really far, or the putter to you know like short distances, like get into the hole there. But we have different kinds of sermons. They do different kinds of things. Um, like there, there's like there's there's homiletical sermons. There's exegetical. I don't remember what those are, but the, they exist. Um, and, and this is one, this one is called, it's called, it's called a three-point sermon. And what you do in a three-point sermon is, like, I, I'm going to try it today. I, I never preach a three-point, but I'm going to give it a shot. So what you do in a three-point sermon is you read, like, the whole Bible text together. Like, all right, here's, here's what we're covering. And then, like, the, the, the preacher, what they do is they go back and they say, all right, here's three things that we learned from the thing that we just read. Three-point sermon. I never do these, but I'm feeling risky today. Like, we're, we're, we're going to try it. So, so um, I guess in, in 1 Corinthians uh, 6, we're going to read like a big chunk of, of, of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 8, and then we'll, we'll, we'll give three points to it. So here we go. 1 Corinthians 6, starting verse 1, says this. If any of you has a dispute with another, do you dare take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters, do you ask for a ruling from those whose way of life is scorned in the church? I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers? But instead, one brother takes another to court, and this is in front of unbelievers. Verse 7, there, the very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this in front, or I'm sorry, you do this to your brothers and sisters. Okay, so, so that, that's, our, that's our text, all right? And so he ends the whole thing by saying, listen, like, there are people who are in the church, and they're actually cheating other Christians. Like, they're defrauding them. They're taking them to court. And so, and so if, if you're a person who defrauds other people, here's point number one of the sermon. Stop it, all right? Stop it. Stop doing that, okay? Aren't you glad you came to church, okay? Like, don't, don't cheat anybody. Don't, don't, don't wrong people. Like, knock it off. You know, if you're somebody like maybe you're sales and you quote, quote, massage the truth to get the sale that you want, well, stop doing that. Like, don't defraud anybody. Knock it off. Okay, that's point one. All right. Point two is a little more complicated. So point two, um, point two, he's talking about how like Christians are like they're going to court and his and, and they're going to court with each other and and his solution is hey um, what you guys should do is instead bring it to the church and solve matters among yourselves and so that leads to our second point what we need to do as a church let's get judgy 
Okay? Like now, all right, let's get judgy in here. So I want to see one of our elders shaking it like, please, no, just don't, just don't. Um, okay, now let me, let me clarify what that means, okay? Because I know, uh, maybe you've been around church like I, I for a little bit, and like, you know, like there's, there's the famous teaching of Jesus where he says, judge not, lest ye be judged. And we, we love that verse here in America because we, we, we use that as a justifier. We'll be like, all right, listen, like, am I doing this? Yeah, but the Bible says you can't judge me. <laughs> Free game. But that's actually not, but I want to just clarify, that's not what Jesus is talking about, and that's not what this text is about. So um, th- here's the famous passage. This is in Matthew 7, starting in verse 1. This is what Jesus says. He says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, here's what Jesus is getting at, okay? He's talking to a group of people who look with disdain on his redemption of sinners. Like, we sometimes forget this. Like, okay, here's the amazing thing about the gospel, that no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, there is a place for you at the table of Christ. If you will turn from your sin and accept his forgiveness that came through the cross, you can be part of what God is doing. It's free. It's, it's, you don't earn it. It's, it's by faith. Jesus loves people who run from God. He's crazy about them. And that's what you see in the ministry of Christ. Like, he's bringing all these people in. But at the same time, you have, like, religious elites, particularly this group called the Pharisees, who they, they've prided their entire lives and what they think is living for God. They think, like, I'm a really good person. They're professional good people. The problem is they're not really that good. And so they look at what Jesus is doing, and they look at it with, like, like just disdain, not understanding that they need a Savior as much as the other people. And so when Jesus goes, listen, judge not lest ye be judged, he's going, listen, you, you can't just condemn these people to hell. On top of that, like, like the measure that like, you give is what be given to you. Like, don't you understand that you need that measure of grace just as much as everyone else? So this idea, it's not that Jesus is saying that like truth and morality and right and wrong don't exist. He's saying everybody needs it. And if you're looking like down your nose at somebody else, you yourself are the one who is in need of grace. And now here's why I'm bringing this up. Like, because just in the Gospels, I, I've got to just hammer this home. In the Gospels, there is just too much in the teachings of Jesus to suggest that he thinks truth or, or, or morality are, are relative and, and let's kind of like go with each person for how you're feeling in life. Jesus doesn't operate that way. He doesn't think that way. He's got a lot to say about what is right and wrong. But the same is true of Paul. When Paul talks about judging, he's talking about handling matters in, in, in a way that is the most efficient and right. Like, what he's not talking about is condemning someone to hell. Now, this is important, okay, because we have to understand that the judgment that Paul speaks of in Corinthians is not the same ge- or judgment that Jesus is speaking of in Matthew 7. So maybe, maybe okay, like for point number two, and again, I'm, 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 I'm relatively inexperienced with three-point sermons, so let me just backtrack, and, 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 I'll, and, I'll, and I'll, make, I'll make point two a little bit better. So let's just say it like this then, okay? Let's get judgy, but a different kind, okay? Like that, that let's, let's get judgy, but, but different than how we think of judgy. So here's, here's the idea, okay? Go back to 1 Corinthians 6, 1, and we'll, we'll understand what, what Paul's getting at. He says, if any of you has a dispute with another, do you dare take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? So here's what's going on. Here's what's going on. Um, I don't know if you know this or not. I hope you don't. It'd be great if this was your experience, but it hasn't been mine. Um, I don't, Christians don't always get along. I don't know if you know that. Like, we, we, I mean, it'd be great if we did, but we don't. You know, and Paul, he's a realist. He's worked with people enough. He understands the reality of this. And, and so every now and then there's conflicts. There's relationship conflicts. People butt heads. And, and, and where they're getting off base is they get so obsessed with having things their way and making sure that they're getting theirs that they're actually willing to drag other believers to court. 
And this kills their witness because remember, they, they, they live in an unchristian country. Like, this, like the courts are controlled by people who are, who are loyal to Caesar, who are worshiping like the, the Greek pantheon and what have you. And so, there, so you've got this group of Christians who are going, man, like God loves me. He's transformed my life. Now I love other people. Petty personal thing comes up and they take them to court. And so what, so what Paul is saying is, number one, guys, you're undermining your witness in this. You're undermining the integrity of the gospel because, listen, if you say you love God and if you say you love people, then you can't be petty about getting your stuff because what you're telling them is that you don't love God and that you don't love people. Second problem is this. Second problem is he looks at them and he goes, God, you mean to tell me that there's nobody in your church who can settle this between you? Like, you're all about publicly, like, you're telling me that within the family, there's nobody who can discern what's right and wrong for a couple of you just speaking. Now, just to clarify a couple of things, all right? Number one, he is talking, like, the, this sort of instruction is for members of the same church, like people within the family of God. So what Paul's not suggesting is, hey, if you've got beef with a Christian at a church down the road, that what you should do is bring them to Pastor Burt. He's not saying that, all right? Please don't. But here's what he is saying. Hey, listen, if there is, we would say it like this. If there's beef with, with it in, in the, the ranks of solid ground church, two people, where there's unforgiveness or there's a rift relationally, you need to do everything that you can to restore that. And also within here, you mean to tell me there's not somebody who could discern right and wrong and bring some wise counsel and judgment. Okay, uh, just to clarify, Paul is not against justice. He's not against courts. He is not against prosecuting criminal offenses. He's not. What he's against is the types of offenses that we would find on Judge Judy or the People's Court. You know what I'm saying there? Remember the People's Court? No, no, no. Remember that? Judge Wapner? Thank you for laughing. 930 was awkward. So anyway, um, People's what? Look, you remember, like, you, like you watch like the People's Court, right? Like, and it'd be these little things where people take each other to court over some kind of civil suit. So you'd be like, you know, so we have like, like we have Keith. I'll use Keith in the table. So like Keith gets in. Sorry, Keith. Like Keith gets Keith gets into a disagreement with Alan. Alan's back there. So let's say like you know like Keith Keith starts like a dog washing business and and Alan brings Keith his dog to wash. You're not doing that, right? No. Okay, great. So all right. So like and so Alan brings Keith the dog. They agree upon an amount and then Alan finds like something wrong with the dog's washing and he's like, I'm not going to pay you that amount. Keith's like, Well, you better. We're going to court. Like, kind of small. And, and Paul here would be like, don't go to court. Bring it to somebody in the church who you both, whose authority you uh, respect, whose wisdom you respect, and sit down with them to discern like the best course of action going forward. Because here's what the church can do that the court cannot. The church can bring restoration of relationship. Okay, like, okay, like we're, gonna, we're gonna settle this matter, but on top of that, we're gonna make sure that you brothers are walking side by side in life. And so whatever is, is creating conflict or distance, we wanna get rid of. Second thing the church can do is this. It can bring godly perspective of scripture. We like, like we live in a, in a in a country where where church and state are separated. I actually think that's a pretty good thing because it means the state doesn't tell me what to preach, but but it also means that listen, the person behind the, the, the judges stand um, may not necessarily be a Christian or operate under the guise of what the Bible says about things. And so what we what, so the, the idea is simply this: like I'm not looking for the moral right from an unbeliever because if they don't know Jesus, they're not interested in doing things Jesus's way. So that's the idea here. So he continues. He says, listen, like, settle what's right among you so that relationships can be restored. He continues, 1 Corinthians 6, 2. Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? 
Like, guys, like, this is just small stuff. Don't you know God's going to be doing something much bigger through you? Like, at the end of the age, like, God has chosen to include you in his final decree about, like, life matters, truth, justice in the world. All right. And if you're to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Look at this verse three. It's just a side note, but I just love this verse. Um, Do you not know that we will judge angels? Here's why I just love this really quick. So, the idea, like, do you not know that we'll judge angels? Um, He's not talking about, like, performance reviews for the angels of God. What he's talking about is fallen angels. He's talking about Satan. And this is the idea here, like that at the end of the age, just think about this, that God, your heavenly father, is choosing to include you in the final condemnation of Satan. Now, here's why this is awesome, okay? Here's why this is awesome. I don't know about you, but here's how I've been attacked by the enemy plenty of times in my life. He loves to throw what I have done wrong in my shame in my face. Anybody else? Like, like, okay, here's what I did. And, 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 and he went, aren't you the worst? You should have never done that. And just guilt and guilt and guilt. And he brings up things and he brings them up in a way that makes it so that I feel like, man, God would never want me. And there's going to be this rift. Okay. Now here's why this is really, really good. It's not true. It's not true. Like God loves the sinner, but here, here's why I love this. Okay. Because what it means is the same Satan who throws my sin in my face at the end, I get to throw his sin in his face. All right. On top of that, the same Satan who wants me to believe that I'm not going to be with the Lord forever. I get to tell, go to hell. Like This is awesome. All right. Like that, that's some good Bible. Okay. Like this idea that like now I get to look at the devil and be like, no, you rather than me, huh? Like, let me just tell you how this is about to go down. Like, this is great. All right. That's a side note. So back to the scripture. All right. So look, all right. So that's back in. How much more the things of this life? So if you're doing that, how much more can you discern these things? Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters, do you ask for a ruling from those whose way of life is scorned in the church? I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers? In other words, guys, why are you going out there when you've got people who consider this right? Do you mean to tell me that nobody within the church is, is smart enough or wise enough to uh, do this. And so, he, and so he goes, listen, like, here's what should happen, okay? What should happen is, like, again, two members of, of a congregation together, hey, we've got this issue. Let's sit down with church leadership or somebody whose wisdom we respect, maybe a couple people. Here's our issue. What do you think we should do? And they, and they listen to it, and they go, all right, here's what I think you know. Here, now, here's where you might get uncomfortable. You might get uncomfortable because you, you can say, you can say, well, but, but these people, like if I, I've known some people who are wheelers and dealers and they're really good at discerning or, or deceiving people. They're really good at making church leaders or other people think that they're in the wrong. They're really good at presenting themselves a certain way. And so if I say yes to that, it could be that I uh, open the, the gate for them to be deceived, to which I would just tell you, number one, we're following a command of scripture here. Can you trust God that the right thing will come forward? Exactly right as it should be. Like, like is, your, is, your, is your faith in the word so low that you believe that you've got to disobey the scriptures in order to get the right thing to come about? Because, I mean, that is the command right here. Take it to the church. Like, can, can we just trust that maybe God knows what he's doing and, he'll, and, and, his, and his will and his perfect will, however that looks, will come forward? And so what, the reason we want to do this is because, number one, we want godly perspective. And number two, and this is the big thing, um, we want to be careful of our witness. Again, look at what he says here in verse six. But instead, one brother takes another to court, and this is in front of unbelievers. Paul is very, very strategic about like this idea of, hey, what are you saying to the world through your actions about Christ? You know what I'm saying? Like, let me say it like, like this. Um, I, one thing I hope um, that we get as a church, I mean, lots of things probably, but, but one thing I really hope that we get 
um, is understanding the idea of giving up what we want for the sake of people who don't know Jesus. Like, we, we, we live in a really interesting time right now. It's, in, it's, a, it's a transition of ideology where the norm in years past in America was a sort of Judeo-Christian value set. Now, whether or not people were sincere converts and how much was social pressure, whole other conversation. But regardless, what is becoming the norm is not what we would say, all right, this is how uh, Christians will be made comfortable. So what a lot of Christians do is they decide the way to get society, quote unquote, back on track is through legal battles. If I can just get the right laws in place, if I can just get the right people in place governing, then America will get back to normal. Now, the, that problem is that it doesn't take the heart into account at all. Like the, the truth is you can't legislate death to life. Only the Holy Spirit does that. And so, and so what happens is, like, like even within our state, like we, we've, we've, we've seen times where churches have, the church didn't get their way, and they perceived that, and maybe it was, but they perceived it as an infringement on their liberties, and they demanded a certain outcome. And so they went to the court, they took the state to court, they took the town to court, and they did this because, listen, you're, infring, you're infringing on my rights. And, and, and here's what I'm telling you, that may be so, but what you have to understand is your biggest priority is not getting your rights, your biggest priority is making sure that you communicate the love and grace of Christ. All right, so, so yeah, we, I'm sure, that feels great, thanks, Len. So anyway, like, so, so I, I just want to get this culture among us that, hey, it's not about my rights at all. Like, it, it's not, like, in fact, in fact, it, it, this is exactly what Paul says here. Like, look what he appeals to, it's crazy. Like, so if you're like, well, but Bert, if I, if I don't stand up for, for this or for that, then, then society may go this way. And I would say that's 100% a spiritual thing. It's not a legislative thing. What somebody needs is the Holy Spirit, the gospel, and let him transform the heart. And then we'll worry about the other thing. So anyway, so, so Paul, Paul's whole thing is like, listen, watch your actions towards unbelievers, all right? So he says this in, in verse seven, he says, the very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you've been completely defeated already. And look at what he appeals to now. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Like, that's his solution. So guys, go ahead and get wronged. Get cheated. Like, what? This infuriates me on a core level, okay? Can I tell you why? Because, like, maybe you're not, I'm somebody who can't stand a bully, all right? Like, in childhood, whatever, like, we, I could cry on my therapist's couch with you right now, but I'm not going to. Like, just, just, like if I see somebody taking advantage of someone else, or if I, or even bigger, because I'm a, I'm an Enneagram type one, things are very black and white to me. All right, if I see something that should not be this way, I get up in arms. And like that's why it's so fun to argue with me. Ask my wife. But anyway, so like, like it's one of these, these things where like it should be like this, it should be like this. And if somebody, and if and if, and if somebody else's way, like that, that I perceive to be immoral comes forward or wrong, it really grates on me. It's like it's like you remember the end of the Dark Knight with Batman, where he's like, the Joker cannot win, right? Like it's this whole thing, like whatever happens, the Joker cannot win. That's how I feel about so many things. I'm like, no, the Joker can't win. I just, oh, right. But it, but so what I do is I I'm I at so many points like. I have a hard time with this verse right here where what Paul does is he appeals to, well, isn't it better just to be wronged? Isn't it like, well, no, Paul, it's not. That is what he's appealing to. He's going, listen, like, like why not? Hey, guys, here's the idea. Go ahead and get cheated. Isn't that great? No, dude, it isn't. That's awful. How can he say that? Here's how he can say that. Because Paul knows Jesus. And the witness that he's espousing is the very witness of Christ. See, there was this one time that Jesus went to court. I don't know if you know the story or not. Jesus went to court. He was put on trial for his life. And rather than demand justice for himself, 
he chose to take personal pain for the reconciliation of the world. And so for Paul, what he goes is, listen, it's better for you to take it on the chin and be restored to a brother than win and have that relationship be destroyed. And that is so counter-cultural. And yet, it's exactly what the Bible teaches. In fact, here's point three of of my talk. Point three, it's better to lose things than people. It's better for me to lose my stuff than lose a relationship with a brother or sister in the Lord. And this is really hard for us because we are a people who demand it our way. We can get into the psychology of why we do it. Maybe it's because we're, compared to the rest of the world, we're very, very wealthy. We live in a society that caters to consumers. And so if somebody tells me that I'm wrong, I go to the next place or you know, I, I'm used to things being done my way. The customer is always right. It should be my way. And we give very little thought to, okay, but if I give up my right right here, what will this say to somebody who doesn't know God? Like in our obsession with, quote, unquote, taking a stand for Jesus, let me suggest to you that taking a stand for Jesus means taking a stand of Jesus. And the way that he did that was by giving up himself. Like, why is it our, our, ide- our ideology of taking a stand for Jesus tends to end up with us getting what we want? Have you noticed that? Like, like why is it like if my integrity for Christ means my norms stay intact and I keep my stuff? Like, can, 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 I, can, I, can, we, just, can we own something together for a second here? Maybe not. I'll just call it out and it'll be weird. So look, um, you know an area, like really just... It really bugs me, and like, like heartbreakingly so. An area I've just seen in the church within the last couple of years, where it was like, man, we have an opportunity to give up us for the world in small, tiny little things. And over and over again, we're so obsessed with our quote unquote rights that we forget about the gospel. Like, listen, we're coming hopefully to the end of a pandemic. Right? Think about something as simple as masks. Literally putting a piece of cloth on your face. And that's it. Like, are you out anything by wearing a mask? No. And how many people hemmed and hawed and went up in arms about doing that? Well, I shouldn't have to. It's, it's an infringement of my liberties. Well, by that standard, so I was wearing pants, but the government asked you to do that too. Like, please do that. But like, no, like I, I have these rights as a citizen. I have these rights. How dare they push this on me? And we don't quite understand. Well, number one, there are people who don't know God who are terrified right now. Can you put their nerves at ease by putting some cloth on your face? And like you say to them that like God loves them and you love them, but you're not even willing to do that? And I'm like, I don't like, I don't even love the pushback. Well, Bert, I don't see the evidence for it. Evidence isn't the point. It's the gesture. And that's this right here. Like, and Paul's going, listen, isn't it better? Like, so like, isn't it better for you for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the church, just to go ahead and do it? Like, what are you out? And the answer is nothing. And I, and I know the other pushback. The other pushback is, well, but Bert, Bert. <laughs> Here's why my thing is okay. Like, it, it's weird to me. It's weird to me, like, so I'll say this, right? Like, give up you, give up you, give up you. And then what will happen is 
I, I, I've been doing this for 12 years. What will happen is I'm going to get an email later this week. And the person is going to say something along the lines of, so just save your email because I'm not going to read it. So here's what they're going to say. Rachel, if you're watching, you can just go ahead and delete them. So anyway, look. They go, they go something like this. They go, they go, all right, Bert, I, I heard, here's what you said. And look, don't shoot the message. I'm, just, I'm literally just reading, like, the Bible. And then they go, okay, but here's my issue. And then they'll say something like this. But shouldn't blank. So, and so they infuse philosophy into it. So, like, okay, I heard what you said about that, but shouldn't blank. Or, but, Bert, I know the Bible said there, but I just feel that blank. And maybe that's where you're at right now. Like when we talk about this idea of, hey, like sacrificially give up you, um, here's what I want to ask you to do. Give me Bible for it. Like if you're going to take this stance, well, no, it should always be my rights. It should be this. and da -da. Just give me Bible for your standpoint. Because here's what I know. I, I know that many people just sort of what they do, and, and I'm guilty of this too. Like all of us do this at points. We try to shape the world in a way that allows us to get what we want without any regard for truth, especially biblical truth when it confronts us about where we are. So I'll give you an example. All right. All right, so for the same, like, the shouldn't it be like this way, and, and, and I just feel that we go, oh, yeah, maybe we do that, but, but watch this, okay? So in, in a couple weeks, in a couple weeks, as we go forward in 1 Corinthians 6, we're, we're going to talk about a hot-button issue, homosexuality. It's coming up. It's, it's, it's in the chapter. Like, we'll talk about it. And, and many of you have taken a very, very hard-line stance uh, about, listen, we need to, we need to in, 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 you know, preserve the integrity of the scriptures and church tradition, and I, I, I get and agree. Um, but if you were to have somebody who leans left or, or who is gay, say to you, all right, listen, you know, I want to be a Jesus, Jesus follower, because we're not imposing anything on people outside the church. Um, I want to be a Jesus follower, and I, I know the Bible says this, but I just feel that blank, or, but shouldn't it be blank? Your response would very quickly be, well, it doesn't matter what you think it should be, or I just feel that. It's what the text says. And you can apply it there because you don't struggle with that sin. But the moment it comes to your bag, the moment it comes to your deal, suddenly the scripture got real vague, didn't it? Only it didn't. What I'm telling you is do what the word says, even when it inconveniences you, when it's plainly there. And that might cost you. It might cost me too. And yet we're supposed to do it. And if you want to understand why this is such a big deal about reconciling and being willing to take it on the chin and, and lose an argument, maybe lose some of your stuff, it's because you're because people are more important than your stuff. Like, you want to understand, like, here, here's the crazy thing, is that we have, have come up in this version of Christianity that somehow removes, like, interpersonal interactions, like, like relationships with other believers. We somehow remove that from our relationship with God. So we, we view our relationship with God as primarily just me and God and other people are icing on the cake. And we don't understand how seriously God takes our relationships with other believers. Like, I'll give you a te like, teaching of Christ. Same sermon with the judge not. This is Matthew 7. Look at what Jesus says here about this idea of like reconciling and forgiving and, and being, uh, you know, like there being like unity with brothers. He says this in Matthew 5. Verse 23, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and we, otherwise we say it like this, therefore, when you're at church, when you're at church, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, verse 24, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. 
In other words, okay, let's say you're at church and you're worshiping God. Maybe you're worshiping God through giving. And you're just about to put that money in the plate or in the giving box. And man, I'm going to choose to trust God with my finances. Lord, I want to show you, like, listen, like, like, like I put you first in all that I have. Here's the way that I do that. Okay. And you're, I mean, like the money's just about to leave your hand. And you remember that somebody's got some beef with you. And there's been a relationship rift somewhere. Or there's unforgiveness there. Jesus explicitly right here is going, God can wait. God can wait. Well, I thought, I thought I'm supposed to put God first. Yeah, put him first by going to them. Because the truth is, God cares more about that relationship than he does your stuff. Like, literally, you, you have a command of Christ right here. Put your worship on pause. Go be reconciled. I mean, is there more of a spiritual thing than giving of yourself to the Lord? Probably not to us. And yet Jesus goes, relationships. Relationships. And so look at Paul's appeal again. Within that framework of, hey, people are more important than stuff, people are more important than stuff. Look again what he says in verse 7. Why not rather be wrong? Isn't that the better thing? Isn't it better for you to lose, like, stuff, lose an argument, lose some business stuff, lose, like, isn't it better for you to have that than lose somebody? Why not rather be wrong? Why not rather be cheated? Because if it comes down to personal justice and peace with another believer, you choose peace. And so he says in verse 8, instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong. Can you do this to your brothers and sisters? That's heartbreaking. Which leads us back to our three points. So if you're cheating anybody, point number one, stop it. If you've got an outstanding relationship rift within this church, let me encourage us, Solid Ground Church, point number two. Let's get judgy. Let's reconcile. Let's, let, let's, let's get rid of any baggage or bitterness in our ranks. Point number three, it's better to lose things than people. It is. So as we wrap up, I recognize that some of you have been through it. Right now, I bet if you were to come up to me and you tell me about how the person wronged you, you might tear up a little bit. I'd probably tear up too. Like, man, that's awful. And so maybe what you need this morning is the help and power of the Holy Spirit to forgive or to reconcile. And it's a big ask. But let me just remind you that it's more important than any song that you sang this morning or a moment during the sermon where you went, hmm. Like more important than you feeling spiritual is you being reconciled. So let's pray and ask the Lord to help us with that. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, we invite you to do what only you can do. We come to you as a weak people, people who do not have the strength to do this within ourselves, and we ask you for the power and grace of the Holy Spirit in this moment. There are people that we need to forgive. Or would you help us with that? In this moment, even for the ones who aren't feeling it, Lord, uh, we choose to forgive. We're making the choice. I'm not going to hold what they did against them anymore. Lord, I pray for some divine appointments this week. Would you begin to, to, to burn in our hearts 
making a phone call to somebody and begin to burn in their heart reconciliation or grace after the first phone call so that when we talk to them again, it ruminates, they go, you know, I've been thinking about it, and yeah. Lord, if there's any bitterness between people in our church, would you show us um, so we can walk arm in arm and love each other well? Because when we do that, we love you well. Let me just invite you right now. Maybe this is just a, a moment where you're like, ah, I don't see myself in this. Okay, that's fine. We'll be done in just a second. Um, but maybe your next step right now is just to ask the Lord, Lord, is there anybody I need to forgive? Let's invite you to do that. Just right where you're sitting. Um, and just pay attention to any names or faces that, that spring to mind. Or is there anybody I need to forgive? Is there anybody I need to be reconciled to? Would you show me my next step to make that happen? Last second, I just feel this um, pull. Um, for the one this morning who you have no problem forgiving other people, you have a real hard time forgiving you. Here's what I just need you to hear today, man. Um, You don't need to hold over you that which Christ has forgiven. Like if Christ has declared it gone, his judgment is better than yours. Please hear this. Let go of your shame. I pray this morning is, is a moment right now where you receive his grace afresh. Holy Spirit, last thing. Um, we just ask you to heal wherever there needs to be healing. Pray for emotional trauma to be healed. Pray for physical ailments to be healed. Pray for somebody, if you've got like a, a thing with your wrist, like rolling your wrist, um, we pray for healing for that in Jesus' name. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Amen.